0: Hello, and welcome back to City Wave Cinema. I'm America.
1: Welcome back. We never left. We've been here the whole time.
0: That's James. Is it? I'm not sure anymore. You're real weird tonight.
1: I'm fucking tired.
0: It is Halloween weekend as we're recording this, and we did do a lot of drinking yesterday. There's a lot of
1: drinking. There's a lot of drinking. I went back to rum like a fool.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you were thinking. I have been up like rum. I haven't had
1: rum since I blacked out that one time.
0: Yeah, I was like, you haven't had rum in years. It,
1: it was... Ah, it was a mistake. Alright. Tonight, we watched, literally minutes ago, finished the end credits for Harry Potter and a Half-Blood Prince.
0: We took a short break to watch Sonic, because that's what the chat voted for, but... Now we're back to Harry Potter, Potter. and I am so excited, because if you tune in live, I bring Harry Potter merch every single time, and James asked me at the beginning of this, do you have enough to go through every single movie, and I was like, yes.
1: Apparently she does.
0: So, I have two Pygmy Puffs in my hands, and I have a Slug Club hat, and we are ready. We are pumped. (laughs)
1: There are two pieces of trivia that I read from the IMDb trivia page that I feel are important to bring out prior to diving into the movie. Okay. Number one.
0: Number one.
1: Daniel Radcliffe does not like this movie. I know that. He thinks he did a bad job in it. He was an alcoholic during it and just didn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling. Loved this movie adaptation more than all of the other movie adaptations.
0: I think it does the best job.
1: Now, I have not read the books. She's read the books.
0: See. In case you're new to Chat here.
1: has read the books for the most part, I believe. Um. The only thing that is important here is because... This is a very divisive uh, movie for a lot of people.
0: For some reason. I never knew that. I and, love this movie. And
1: and I think it's... i. There's a lot of consternation in the IMDb trivia. Um, the only thing that I care about doing is rev- talking about the movie, what I liked and didn't like, and whether or not the movie itself was good. I don't give a single solitary fuck what the book said, what was in the book, what got left out of the book uh, to movie translation. I don't give a shit about any of that. None of that matters. What matters to me right now is the movie, whether I was entertained, whether it was good, and
0: how it contributed to the overall story of Harry
1: Sure. Potter. yeah, I don't.
0: yeah. I mean, you talk about it in every other movie.
1: That's true. Um, so. so. With all those things in mind, let's jump into the beginning of my notes. Because I took copious notes.
0: He was taking a lot of notes this I time. I wrote down
1: a lot of notes.
0: The last Harry Potter one, I feel like he didn't write that I much. I didn't.
1: I mean, it, the last one... What was the last one?
0: Uh, Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix? Umbridge.
1: That one... The To briefly dip back to Order of the Phoenix... Um...
0: Previously on City Wave Cinema. The movie
1: fucking sucked. Uh, and it's not because the movie itself was bad, it's because the story is shit. And the telling of it, fine, marvelous, excellent casting, the dialogue has improved every single movie. So, by those standards, uh, Order of the Phoenix was great. But I. The story that was woven from beginning to end of all these movies nonstop ignores things like common sense and how humans interact with things at all in any way. I don't care about how wizards versus muggles, it doesn't fucking matter. They're all humans regardless, and the story, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't give a shit about any of that. Um... This movie, The Half-Blood Prince, uh, this is actually a movie that I remember parts of that I've seen from before. Uh, America's Family almost always uh, had Harry Potter movies playing at any given time when we would hang out with them. And Half-Blood Prince seems to be the most frequent one. Half-Blood Prince has left... I don't want to say like noted memories in my mind but I remember things from Half-Blood Prince and I don't remember things from the other movies so I came into it knowing certain scenes would happen that I recall how we got there up in the air um so this movie picks up like 37 seconds approximately immediately after the end of the uh uh, previous movie and uh, we start with doing press and uh, paparazzi uh, Harry's fucked up he's had this whole traumatic incident where Dumbledore saved his life
0: and his godfather died
1: and his godfather was murdered in front of him and we start with press and paparazzi which is totally a thing that would happen in real life and so I was like okay
0: He is a famous wizard. It's
1: clever that that would happen, but goddamn, let him breathe. I think I noticed it, like, it offended me specifically because it's like, he's shown to be, like, haggard, and he's, like, fucked up, he's got, like, cuts and bruises and shit, and I was like, how are you gonna fucking assault this poor guy, a child, no less, like, immediately after fucking (laughs) this whole big battle in the Ministry of Magic? Wild. Wild, to say the least. Um... So we you kind of, we kind of skip from that. That was what? When was that? That was like the middle of the summer, wasn't it?
0: It was at the end of the school year. End of
1: the school year. Uh, just sort of skip over the whole of the summer, really. Uh, and my my next note uh, is that the Death Eaters are super fucking dramatic.
0: <laughs> they uh, extra
1: <laughs> when they stole Ollivander and most of his wands. Uh, super dramatic. Just being. I mean, Voldemort also extremely dramatic. He be extra so too. extra, uh, almost unnecessarily so. Like villains on the whole, since the beginning of stories, have always been dramatic. Uh, like, pay attention to me and look at me. They just it. They just go. They're just so. Ugh. It's just. It's just unnecessary everything they do is unnecessary.
0: I mean, Chad does have a point. They wrote that it's fear tactics, which is true. They're scaring the muggles. They're scaring they're they're purposely like doing shit to like rile people. They're
1: fucking they're fucking bitches, man. All they're doing is being annoying and killing. They're doing a lot of killing. Um we get to Harry in a train station, big chillin. Uh wildly reading a wizard newspaper just in the in the train station it's not it's not a wizard train station it's a it's a normal people train station and uh he's making eyes i'm gonna okay i'm gonna use this phrase A lot. Regularly tonight. And the phrase is making eyes. He said
0: it so many times. I
1: am going to annoy the shit out of America with how many times I say the phrase making eyes, but it is a thing that regularly happens for the rest of the movie is people look at other people with a weird combination of teenage lust, maybe love, and definite, I don't know what these hormones are doing inside of me. Horniness. Yeah.
0: I, um, I will say that this m- book and movie totally plays, like, other than Ginny, who's definitely had a crush on Harry forever, and Ron yeah. and Hermione have their little thing, as the sudden movie, everyone realized that they were Surprise, horny. you're all
1: real teenagers.
0: Like, <laughs> all at the same time, they realized their horniness. But yeah, uh, it was like...
1: It's so special. But
0: I love love. So, like, I love this movie. This is one of the first... Harry Potter books where I dog-eared the pages during certain cute moments. So... Um,
1: so yeah. Harry's flirting a little bit with the waitress. And, uh... They, like, almost verbally agree to, like, see each other after she closes the little shop. Uh, and then Dumbledore just rolls up into the fucking train station in robes and shit. And I, I wrote sudden Dumbledore is sudden does he not have pants or anything that looks normal um, I know Dumbledore frequently goes all over the place and does all sorts of things but you'd think that I mean the man looks like a fucking outside of the wizarding world he looks like a cosplayer but in 2008
0: well technically the this the time period of Harry Potter is the 1990s
1: that the, way before we were doing fucking cosplay outside of our own homes, like, just his appearance alone should garner a significant amount of attention in a public place during the day. It was at night. It was at night, but there is still shots where there are people just about mm-hmm. in the train station at 11 o'clock at night, which is weird, but you know, c'est la vie. Um, so then Dumbledore is like, "Harry, we <coughs> oh, pardon me. <coughs> it's like, "Harry, we've gotta fucking go do a thing. we gotta we're gonna go to a scary place and uh, doesn't tell Harry anything, which is like bog standard Dumbledore uh, approach to everything is just don't tell Harry Potter anything useful." And he'll just sort of go... And they kind of... It's funny because they kind of joke about it I and they're like... To say that. <laughs> Harry's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I just roll with whatever you say most of the time. So, fuck it. Let's go.
0: After all these years, I've just learned not to question it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just sort of just go along with it because... Fucking... Why not? Harry also is convinced he's invincible, which is a subtle plot that has slowly made itself present. Um... So yeah, they apparate for the first time, which is dope, to a village just out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Find this fucked up house with claw marks on the walls uh, and uh, they Harry gets dragon blood dripped on him from the ceiling and uh, there's a chair with shoes sticking out from underneath it. Which is kind of a giveaway to have your shoes stick out from the bottom of the chair. Uh, and uh, Dumbledore uncovers everyone's favorite maniac professor, Slughorn. Uh, and I have uh, lots of nice things that I've written about Slughorn because I thought he was very funny. Um, <laughs>
0: He's very funny. The actor is very good at the portrayal too. Yeah, with the casting. Of him. I wrote. I wrote
1: the chair disguise wasn't great because there were shoes, and as soon as I saw the chair with the shoes, I was like, "Well, that's a person. That's a whole, also whole like that's a whole person." The
0: only thing that's not dingy or undamaged. And in the, the funny thing is, house. I think,
1: I think that's the idea. I don't fucking know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it was like the thing that gave it away to me was the shoes, and not the fact that the chair wasn't fucked up. Um, Slughorn's funny. We love that. Uh, they talk to Slughorn for like two minutes, three minutes. Uh, and ultimately, what this is, what what is happening, is Dumbledore is baiting Slughorn into coming back to Hogwarts by just putting the most powerful chosen one wizard of all time in his living room and going. This is a kid that I have. And, uh, and then disappearing. It like Dumbledore literally just walks away. He's doesn't fucking to talk bathroom. to Slughorn. And then it comes back and he's like, can I have your magazine? And Slughorn's like, fucking, yeah. And, so, and then he's like, I won't do it, you know. And Dumbledore's like, okay, fuck it. And they leave, which is bait. Because everything Dumbledore does is bait. Mm-hmm. And then Slughorn's like, fine, I'll do it.
0: But I want to raise and a better office. Man,
1: you fucking knew. You knew. Everyone knew. Everyone knew what was happening. Everyone knew what was going on. So, oh man, what happened then? What, what did I write? What did I... Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Dumbledore apparates Harry into a river. Um,
0: it's like a marsh.
1: It well, technically, I think it's a creek. And it's foreshadowing a little bit, because later we come back to this creek, Um, but he basically dumps him outside of the Weasley's place, and then leaves his trunk and owl in the Weasley's place, Uh, and we spend a full minute of everyone popping up in the Weasley house and going, Harry, what? he's not here. And Ginny is down at the bottom of the stairs going, literally all his shit is right here. Like, I, I, you, you don't have to believe me, but, like, it's all here. And then she turns around, and Harry's, like, fucking exploding a boner. Uh, and she's like, ah, see? Look, there he is! And that's that. We just f- full filler for a minute, and it's, there are reasons I like this scene, but there are reasons I don't like the scene, and I don't like the scene because it's filler, but I do like the scene because it's easily the pause for a moment this movie is easily one of the best shot harry potter movies and a full end what
0: like cinematography wise
1: oh yeah across the board uh the first one sucked the second one was okay the third one was fine like they all steadily got better this one is simply a level above all of the other Harry Potter movies.
0: I did like how in they terms like of
1: cinematography.
0: Did up the stairs like yeah, looked like
1: the that's not a that's house. not a shot you would have gotten. And in- we've been at the Weasley's house like for six fucking movies, and that's never a shot that we see. Like if if you asked me to go in blind to a set and be like, it's like this really tall weird house with like a central staircase that runs all the way up, and it's like all mishmash put together. The first thing I'm doing is getting a shot from below straight up and a shot from the top straight down. Put whatever fucking scene you want in there. As a cinematographer, that's a thing I did in school. That's a thing I learned how to do in school. It's the one fucking thing I was good at at school for making movies was cinematography. It's the best fucking shot you can do in that whole house. I don't give a shit what else you do in the house. That shot is good and it makes the movie better. And if you had people as talented as the guy who was the director of photography for this movie, in the rest of them, the rest of them might be better. The way you tell a story visually has a significant effect on how people react to the story and what is written. And if you can't tell the story visually well, maybe people won't fucking like it. And I haven't really liked a Harry Potter movie all that much. There's lots of stuff I like about the Harry Potter movies. But cinematically, this is the best one. It features things that the other ones don't. Like those shots in the Weasley house. Close-ups that are like really tight. All kinds of swooshing cinema. Underwater. Above water. The fucking shout-out to later in the movie... The scene uh, where Harry is getting dragged down by uh, Gollum and all the other Gollums.
0: That's Um, a a good description.
1: (laughs) When he's getting dragged underwater and it shoots really far back in the cave. And you just see like mounds and mounds of these crawling, creepy gray flesh creatures. Gorgeous cinema. Incredible. You don't see that shit. It gives you a sense of despair and this crushing imminent defeat where you eliminate hope for the viewer, the protagonist, and the protagonist's old dying friend. I like It's insane what you can do visually, and no other movie did
0: that. I also think too there's a couple now that we're talking about it and I'm just thinking about it, there's a couple that stand out to me too. Like I I really like the way Quidditch was shot in this movie more so than other Quidditch matches.
1: Really? Um,
0: I did. I, li- I didn't. <laughs> well, I, I, like- <laughs> I didn't like it. Well, it, it's like, it's kind of nice because you don't have to show the entire game anymore because like really like, yeah. that's oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Quidditch. So you can like show those quick fast paced highlights of like Ron blocking a ball or Ginny shooting like you can do those really quick transitions and then I th- I really 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 like um, the rock the like big cinematic swoosh we get on the rock when Harry and Dumbledore are in the middle. Oh, of Oh yeah, we do that a lot. And it, I really like, I really like that. And then, yeah, I, just, I don't know. There's some really cool shot scenes in this movie.
1: A thing to note about that: David Yates directed the movie. He is the first director since Chris Columbus to direct more than one. Um, and. He brought in a new director of photography for this movie. He did not work with the same person as he did on the last one he worked on. Which one did he do? David Yates direct? I thought I don't
0: know. he did. No, did he? Did, did he?
1: Did he do Goblet of Fire? I think so. So I don't remember. He has a. He brought in a a French guy, that I haven't heard of, and they did some. It. It just looks different. Like the coloration, that's another thing that I noticed uh, was really heavy-handed. The, the color grading, which is another thing I learned how to do in school, was just wholly different than all the other Harry Potter movies. And I don't want to say it was like good or bad, um, but it felt much less subtle than the previous movies. Now, we've thrown the format completely off here. Because I had to rant and rave about cinematography for a moment.
0: It's our um, podcast. There is no format.
1: It's true. Uh, but we do the whole deal with the Weasleys, and it's great. And you get the first... you like Harry pops a boner, and uh, Ron is being sweet to Hermione, and, but not really because Ron is too stupid to be sweet.
0: They're both um, just awkward. They're both such awkward individuals. Sure,
1: that's true, but Ron's an idiot for the whole movie. Yeah. Which is not, which is a bad choice made by David Yates, because David Yates should know, having directed a Harry Potter movie where Ron wasn't an idiot the whole time, and having watched the other movies where Ron is actually quite clever, uh, just because you're horny doesn't mean you're stupid.
0: I would beg to differ immensely. Guys turn into idiots. I'm not
1: saying you can't definitely be full stupid while horny.
0: Also, Ron has had some stupid moments. I present to you the time he didn't talk to Harry for so long because he thought Harry put his name in the Goblet of Fire.
1: I'm not saying Ron doesn't have moments. Every character has moments where they're stupid. But to not give him any moment to not be stupid in the whole movie... That's true. ...is so... It feels like we've gone so far with the trio and they've all grown as characters and then you just take Ron and you drag him like four steps backwards into just not having any good moments for the whole time outside of like horny, haha funny like that sucks and it feels bad to watch now
0: he does have more moments uh, Breakers right in the books where he's it's not just a big horn fest, but yeah, they cut that out. I mean, when you only have two and a half hours, things. <sighs>
1: Remember in the first movie where they did the whole book in an hour and a half? Yes. Dorks.
0: There's just. Stuff I looked like at the
1: budget out. for the first movie. They should have absolutely gone for two, if not two and a half. Um. Man, everyone always rendezvous at the Weasley's place, and I think that's great. That's a cool thing that we do that, I don't know if it's specifically mentioned in the books, but people literally just go hang out at the Weasleys' house.
0: I mean, it is a safe house for, like, the order and stuff, and it is a headquarters. Um, And it also is pretty, like, secluded. It's in the middle of nowhere, so pretty safe, kind of.
1: It's cool. Um, But one of the funny things that happens is, like, I don't remember who it is, but they say, Dumbledore is at Hogwarts. What could possibly be safer?
0: It's Harry that says that. Is it Harry that says that?
1: All right. That's really fucking funny because the entire series Hogwarts has been the least possible safe place to be at all times. <laughs> it is the most dangerous place that any wizard could be at any given moment for the whole series thus far. Like, do you want to be safe? Don't be at fucking Hogwarts. That's where danger is. Oh, do they have runes and shit that make it so you can't apparate within the school? No, they just tell you you shouldn't.
0: They have, you can't operate inside the school.
1: Yeah, well, Dumbledore gets to. And oh, yeah. There, it's, he says, there's perks to being me. That's bullshit.
0: That's literally like, it's literally like only, it's specific, like explicitly stated in the books that the only person who can get in and out of Hogwarts, like, by operating is Dumbledore. And the Headmaster's fireplace is the only one not monitored.
1: All right. Like, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to default back to my classic argument that J.K. Rowling's a fucking idiot and all of her story is bad. Uh, Because that's stupid, and it's stupid that that's a thing. Why? Because if you're gonna... The fireplace is important. That's cool. But saying, oh, Dumbledore doesn't have to abide by the same rule set that other people do because he doesn't have to.
0: He gets to make the rules. That's
1: weak-knee bullshit.
0: Uh, as someone who currently works in a school with admin, and someone who went to public school or whole life, that's pretty much standard. Principal's really...
1: School's just weak-knee bullshit.
0: Yeah. Facts.
1: Um, man, I wrote... I, I'm so good at writing fucking notes that don't make any damn sense. <laughs> well, none of this evil wizard shit is good. I I don't remember what happened when I wrote that. But then we get on the train to Hogwarts. And we embark on a classic classic sequence of Harry being really bad at doing anything. It's great.
0: Harry doesn't make good choices sometimes.
1: Um, I would argue most times. Yeah. So Harry puts on his invisibility cloak.
0: He just he really acts on like major impulse decisions like
1: and and he goes to like eavesdrop on Draco, but he like hits a thing. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be difficult to get around invisibly on a train packed with people. But literally the first thing you're going to do if you're gonna be invisible and know that no one else can see you, is very, very specifically, not touch shit.
0: I don't know how he got the fuck up there in the invisibility cloak. It's not explained,
1: which is more weak-kneed bullshit. Uh, dude, how do you fucking nudge that briefcase while Draco's looking at it?
0: There was so much space to the other side. You don't need
1: to be in that spot particular to hear what Draco's saying. Draco doesn't talk quietly. Draco doesn't do secrets because Draco also has the opposite complex of Harry in that he is the bad guy but also wants attention. So Draco's going to be loud and brash all the time because he also has no impulse control. So you don't need to hide on his fucking head to hear what he's saying. You could just be you could be at the other end of the fucking train car, you would hear what Draco's saying. None of the other fucking Slytherin students are going to say shit about it. He's the guy. Draco's the guy. He's the Slytherin guy. Why would anyone need to hide above his head? It's fucking crazy. My, t- I have two notes in a row that say Harry sucks at invisible operations and Harry sucks. Draco very cleverly spotted him, which was dope. And then st- what, he hit him with a stupefy. What was it? No, it uh, Totalus. that's the one. Petrified his ass. Uh, left him on the train. Kicked him in the face. Rude. First of all, why? I get it, but honestly. Uh, Covered him up with the invisibility cloak and was like, have a nice ride back to London, which was very funny. Uh, liked that very much. Luna finds him because Luna sees crazy shit.
0: Luna sees wax spurts with her glasses.
1: Luna is... I feel like they made Luna to have, like, a character that, like, is the brunt of jokes for characters who are crazy, but then literally just didn't make any of the things that she sees fake.
0: There is this big, long debate about, like, Luna, like, by the characters in the books of, like, is she crazy? Or, like, are her and her dad on something? Because, I mean, there was, like, using her glasses, there was clearly wax birds floating yeah. around Harry's head. Like... But she is very much such the oddball. I mean, she puts on that big lion headdress, and in the book, it actually roars. And she's like, "I'm supporting Gryffindor today for the Quidditch match." And it's like, she does do really strange things, like wear shoes to bed because she sleepwalks, and all these things. Like, I thought that was funny. <laughs> like <laughs> that, yeah. If you sleepwalk, why not wear your shoes?
1: You don't want to fucking end up outside, get fucking hypothermia and frostbite on your feet, It'd be
0: fucked up. But yeah, she. Uh, there is very much a debate of like. Are Harry or are Luna and her dad crazy or are they onto something we in
1: in line with that later, like the next scene, uh she offers to fix Harry's nose, which is broken, and then fucking he's just like, yeah, sure, why not? And I was like, how are you gonna talk about how Luna's an insane person one movie ago? not interact with her at all and then just be like, yeah, do magic to fix my face. They
0: interacted a ton she was in. The Dumbledore's army, like, and she went and say like and fought with them at the Department of Mysteries, like her and Harry like have an established relationship now, and he's seen that she's a good witch. Like, all right,
1: let's bear in mind that I had to watch Sonic in between the last movie and this movie, and I don't remember fuck all from Harry <laughs> Potter movies.
0: Um, yeah. So she like she was the one that was like suggested the Thestrals to get to the Department of Mysteries, and like so Harry Luna's
1: just smarter than everyone else.
0: She's a Ravenclaw. She's, she is in she's the house just, for intelligence. She's just
1: smarter than everyone else. Um, man, who who said the line? Why is it he's always covered in blood? Uh,
0: Ginny. Did Ginny say that? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, that's funny. He's covered in blood. Why is he always covered in blood? Why and is Ron, the guy? I and like... Ron
1: goes, looks like it's his this time. Like, <laughs> these are things that you don't say about your friends because normally they're not like this. But hey, fucking wizards, am I right?
0: I mean, if you'd been around Harry that long, that's probably actually a conversation you'd have. It's just like, oh, well, Harry's covered in blood again. Yeah, yeah basically. At least it's his this time. That's yeah, I, ge- I guess. I guess. I've just said things like that before. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've had friends that are not, I mean, they're not covered in blood, but they have like signature things. Where it's just like, it's kind of like uh, when my best friend in school, we did impressions of each other and she her impression of me was... Hi, I'm America Copeland, and I'm so fucking pissed. Like, sometimes you just have tropes. like
1: Yeah, you're fucking mad all the time.
0: I also just walk into rooms a lot and say I'm so fucking pissed off. Well,
1: that is true. You do come home and go, I'm so fucking pissed. Uh, Man. What was the villain origin story? Followed by a cheerful good night. Who Who said the villain origin story? What? That's the note. It says, villain origin story, cheerful goodnight.
0: Oh, when he like saw the memory. and. Oh, is that when Harry
1: started to drown himself and watch the fucking...
0: Yeah, when he sees little Tom Riddle.
1: No, it can't be. Because we had to do boys being boys being very funny and also when Harry gets the Half-Blood Prince's book. in order specifically what villain origin story was it someone said a villain origin story and then they were like good night have a good night something i
0: don't don't know know what you're talking about
1: i don't know it's a scene it happened i made a note about it. it doesn't matter um man this movie has a lot of it's probably the first movie in the series, actually, that shows that wizards are also people who do, like, people things. Sure. Because for the, mo- for the majority of the movies, uh, they, like, almost go the extra mile to make you see that wizards are different than muggles, and that's important. Yes. Yes.
0: Uh, it was Dumbledore's speech at the beginning of the year where he's like, Ah. oh, there was a student once. He sat here. His name was Tom Riddle.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Have a good pip. uh, It was so dramatic. And he's like, off to bed, pip, pip. (laughs) Who, like, tells this horror
1: story about how, guess what? Voldemort went to school here, and I taught him. Go to bed. Fucking wild. But then again, it's Dumbledore, so that's just everything he does, right? Um, so
0: wizards are people
1: right this movie it it feels like they go out of their way to make it so that you understand that wizards are also people and it like they don't do that in the rest of the movies it feels like it's sort of like a break off from that where the they wanted to change tones so that they could accommodate the fact that the story is of people who grow up and the more you grow up the more you turn into people and uh, man I don't know I, 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 there's a lot of notes in here where I talk about how like characters do like normal human things uh, sp- and specifically because everyone can relate to teenage years and being really horny um most everyone can I imagine so like they this is that's a running theme in this movie and because of that it it makes the movie feel more like uh, it makes the movie feel more like it's reaching out to touch the things that you don't talk about specifically with all of the like love and relationships that spring up amongst characters and it's like uh, i i don't i don't know how to describe it really but it, it there's things that happen inside your mind and things that happen as feelings where you don't talk about it but everyone has it you know it's just it's your internal monologue even and this movie feels like it goes that extra distance to showcase that this is a thing that happens to everyone and so that there are these interactions like when Harry and Ron both scrabble for the, um, or the, I'm sorry, they scramble for the the nice right. book, the nice advanced potions making book, and they literally just scrap it out in the back of the classroom trying to get the book, and they don't like Ron succeeds, Ron gets the book, and so Harry has to take the Half Blood Prince book, which like you knew that was gonna happen. It would be weird as fuck if Ron picked up the Half-Blood Prince book and then was like a genius potion maker. And that might actually be a funnier movie. <laughs> if, if Ron was just like a god-tier potion master out of nowhere. Can you
0: imagine Hermione's after, rage? After
1: coming into the classroom and announcing, I'm a bit shit at potions. I'm I'm dangerous even. So, man. it, it This movie shows that wizards are people. But also showcases that wizards are still really bad at being people. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just oh, it's just great. Um. Then there's this, a a short sequence where Harry, having the Half Blood Prince, all oh, also Harry just hits Ron with the book, which what? is like a that's like a person thing to do. Like damn you, you got the nice one. Whack. That's like a that's like a person thing to do. That's
0: also a very friend thing to do like. Oh yeah. I would
1: <laughs> th- like that's something that I can envision myself doing, which is exactly what the movie is so- telling you that it would happen. Like the movie's trying to show you that this is a thing you can relate to and you do.
0: I think the yeah, this movie and book made like the characters more relatable. Tangible. It more, made them tangible. Yeah, and more relatable especially to their like key audience at the time cuz we were all teenagers and going through puberty ourselves and i think i'm not
1: i'm 26 years old
0: i think it was a great way to make them like you like this is just something that like happens to every fucking teenager (laughs) i think
1: i actually i talked about this while we watched the movie i think i would appreciate the movie's uh sort of interpersonal relationship scenes more had i actually seen it when i was like 13 14 15 When I was in that world of turmoil and, you know, little things are mountains to a teenager. But I'm 26 years old and I've been married for a while. And so uh, that part of me that would have related really hard to that is like dead and gone. And it's replaced by a normal person who's old. I feel old. I'm tired and I hurt everywhere all the time. I'm old. Um, I wrote the note that the Half-Blood Prince full fucked over everyone by writing everything down in his book. Which, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, he really did just, like, fuck up everyone. But. How so? Right. Whoever has the Book of the Half-Blood Prince and follows the Half-Blood Prince rules and instructions will always win. Right? It's it's showcased by Harry doing the Half-Blood Prince's instructions for the potion and just not having a problem with it while everyone else struggles to make it work.
0: I mean... Snape is a very gifted potions master.
1: Now, I also wanted to touch on that specifically, because prior to them bringing in Slughorn, who ran the potions class? That's right. It was Snape. The whole movie hinges, and potentially the book too, but I haven't read it, so I can't say it. The whole movie hinges on the idea that Snape simply forgot to take his book out of the classroom.
0: I never thought about that.
1: Because if Snape runs the class and Snape clears his shit out correctly, he probably doesn't leave the Half-Blood Prince copy of the Advanced Potions Making book. And therefore, Harry Potter struggles just like everybody else in the potions class. He's not incredibly gifted. We don't learn the fucking murder spell and uh, the movie doesn't happen.
0: The rest of the series doesn't happen because we wouldn't get those memories from Slughorn either. right
1: so <laughs> this is this is an instance in movies that the cinema sin guys on YouTube will frequently call this out as like like an ex machina, if you will. I really hate, to me it's a, it's it's a movie sin for a different reason to me. It's a story sin where you absolutely necessitate that the stars align in a certain way for a tremendous amount of story to happen. And if you necessitate that the stars align, then you create another world where if the stars don't align, the story doesn't happen. But a really good story happens regardless of the stars alignment
0: just you wait just you wait
1: it's a thing that movie people do in all the movies that uh, that there are you absolutely are the laziest fucking writer to make everything hinged on this one thing there's no fucking tension there There's not a chance that it goes wrong. There's not a chance that other things can influence it. Because the stars have aligned. And if the stars have aligned, then the whole universe is on liquid luck. And if the whole universe is on liquid luck, then there's no stress. You don't believe characters will die. You don't believe things will go wrong. And in fact, the only shocking thing, spoiler alert, is that they fucking do kill Dumbledore at the end of the movie.
0: What? Dumbledore dies? No way!
1: Bum-bum-bum! They went from doing the cardinal sin of movies in that everything has to hinge on one thing happening to properly killing a main character. And that is both ends of the cinema spectrum.
0: I, uh... I'm gonna say this just for chat while he's talking about all these, uh... key, like, tiny things hinging on an entire plot line. And it's gonna make sense to you later, but... Wand wrestling match. Tiniest thing! Whole fucking story.
1: Anyways. it It's always felt really lazy to me that uh, when stories come down to one thing happening and like If it's not an obvious thing, then it's like a little more interesting and it's less of a grievance. But when they make a big deal about it being the one thing or it's very easy to trace back to, well, what's the thing that really kicked the story off? The thing that kicks the story off is that Harry gets the fucking shitty book. If Harry doesn't get the shitty book, nothing happens. True. I mean, some things probably still happen, but...
0: Not the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, not the rest of the series. Things just go full wrong from there.
0: Everybody dies. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. Voldemort takes over. We don't know how to kill him because we don't know about the Horcruxes. The yeah. end. All done. Full yeah, stop. Basically. <laughs>
1: like... Um, so we we do a, a, a quick little uh, dive into the memory bowl where Harry drowns his face. Um... And we fucking... Jesus Christ, Ares. Sorry, my dog just hit the shit out of his kennel. Um, He's annoyed with us. Of course he is. He's always annoyed with us. Harry watches a memory of the day that Dumbledore met Tom Riddle. Um, And, you know, there's super... I, I made a note that I'll get to, I think, a little bit later uh yeah i will get to it a little bit later so I'll, I'll i'll actually come back to this point um but the uh the orphanage scene is just sad and then also dumbledore is just so extra all of the time <sighs> He's being, he's trying to be, like, kind and gentle, and then the little kid, like, challenges him on the magic, and he's, it, it, like...
0: Dumbledore is an asshole to children.
1: Oh, yeah. But, like, Tom challenges him, he's like, prove you're weird like me. And Dumbledore lights his whole fucking wardrobe on fire, without looking at it, without a wand, and is just like, why'd you steal shit? fucking wild wild now it's not established chats making a note about when the scene took place in the history of the world it's not established in the movie when the fuck this took place not even a little bit um but it should there are a million little red flags about tom riddle in that scene alone
0: so many i hurt people that are mean to me
1: and that it's it's a funny thing um there's a Dungeons and dragon series that i watched called dimension 20 and they did a little like four part series uh on a game similar to but not in the harry potter universe um it's called Misfits and Magic and you can actually buy the game itself you can play the game um, I don't remember where you buy it or I would link it but the uh, there's a character who plays uh, or there's a, a guy uh, who plays a character and the concept of the character is like what if Tom Riddle existed but didn't want any of the fucking evil shit to happen to him and it just, like, kept happening to him, but he just, like, noped. Didn't want anything to do with it. Just wanted to be, like, normal. And it's like, none of this fucking scene would have happened at all in that case. Where it's like, man, I, I, I hurt people. That's fucking not good. That's, you know, you should see red flags. But Dumbledore is fucking crazy. So he either sees the red flags and ignores it, or... Doesn't even look.
0: The biggest at red, the red flag flags. is like, I can speak parcel tongue. And Dumbledore's like, like, Oh, I
1: talked to snakes. And Dumbledore's like, Alright, we'll see you in class.
0: Is that normal for somebody like me?
1: What? Th- that's not normal for fucking anyone.
0: We established that in movie two.
1: Two people speak parcel tongue, and it's Voldemort and Harry Potter.
0: And Salazar Slytherin. Yeah, but that guy's fucking dead.
1: two living people! Speak to snakes! Harry Potter is like three steps away from being new Voldemort. At all times. That's kind of the idea. Except for he's so goddamn bent on ending Voldemort.
0: But the whole prophecy... But
1: then it could be like a Sith thing in the Rule of Twos.
0: That's essentially what it is, remember? No, you don't. The prophecy... (laughs) Well, no. Also, you just... Every time I talk about something from the last movie, you look at me like I'm fucking insane, so... I don't remember. In the last movie, they tell you the prophecy that neither can... Neither can exist while the other survives.
1: Okay, so here's what happened. J.K. Rowling ripped off Star Wars. In the Star Wars mythos, there's a thing amongst the Sith, and it is called the Rule of Twos. There can only ever be a master and a uh, apprentice. And it is the apprentice's job. A sort of like unspoken rule. It's the apprentice's job to become powerful enough to either overthrow or full kill the master. And then he will become the master. He will find an apprentice and there's always two. There's never more than two. There's always two. And that is really funny that it pops up here as well
0: i feel like that's a common trope to use of the there can only be two i can think of several
1: are any of them older than star wars yes from the 70s
0: i'm not just talking that's like
1: 50 years ago
0: i'm not talking about movies i'm talking about books like those things that you open and you read
1: i don't know anything about those
0: oh okay well there are stories um well-known stories in fact that follow that same rule like what lord of the rings
1: i didn't read those either they were too hard the movies were simpler
0: chronicles of narnia
1: i did read those
0: Aslan the white witch same story
1: no but this is very specifically two villains
0: well, Harry's not a villain. You can't compare the two, then.
1: I can, because I just said Harry's two steps away at all times from just being new villain.
0: Yes, but he is still the good guy. Is he? Literally the chosen one that's there to destroy the bad guy.
1: Yeah, but so is Anakin, and Anakin's the bad guy.
0: But he becomes he's, he comes full circle. He's a good I am not getting into this whole debate about nerd fandom shit right now.
1: Nerd fandom shit? This is just stories.
0: Anakin does become the chosen one and does take down Palpatine. He still be is the good guy. Like he does some really bad shit. He blows up some planets. But he Listen, does. Listen, genocide's the good guy. not
1: a very good excuse for you as a good guy. <laughs> I.
0: I mean, it's not a good
1: look to genocide we, a planet.
0: We fall into this thing then of reasons why I like DC more than Marvel. Is because you have these gray area people. Well, you're, yeah, Anakin did some fucked up shit. But he also saved the entire galaxy. Like, he literally killed Palpatine. To save his son. Did he? <laughs> that, don't get me fucking started on the new trilogy.
1: Did he, though? Uh Merlin Morgana
0: is another one, and that is old as dirt. The story of King Arthur.
1: Oh yeah, that is fucking ancient. I don't remember who Morgana is.
0: We're not getting into that, right? Carry on.
1: I want to make it very clear. I did not go to public school. I didn't read the same shit you had to read. That's just. Um, but are Dumbledore in. took Tom Riddle in, and it might be a big bad, big bad mistake. Might be. It was. It was a big bad mistake. Um we live in the 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 world where Harry just never learns anything useful from any characters ever. No one ever tells him anything. Uh in this movie, I actually made, I said it, but I didn't write it down. Uh in this movie in particular, Dumbledore goes the extra mile to tell Harry more things, and they still don't help. They still don't make anything clear. At all. Uh, this is very funny. Um, this is the last thing I really want to mention before we cut off episode one and run episode two. Um, the dialogue written for this movie and I know it's like, it's like an adaptation of the book but you still get a screenwriter to come in and they will read the book, and then they'll write the movie based on what they read, right?
0: You hope they read the book. I one one would on hope.
1: Th- one would hope they would read the book.
0: Based on some movie adaptations, I'm not convinced that always happens.
1: For me personally, if you told me that uh, you wanted me to screenwrite a movie that was based on a book, I would ask you first and foremost for a copy of the book so that I could read the book so that I could write your movie. I
0: feel like some people read Sparkles. Um,
1: A lot of people probably read Spark Notes Um, uh, because there is such a thing as deadlines.
0: I, uh, I, when I directed my senior project and it was only a show that ran one weekend, I required literally everyone on that casting. The whole casting
1: crew read the book (laughs) and it's a a damn good book. Um,
0: know your source material. That's all I'm asking (laughs) Hollywood.
1: Guess what? In that book, The Rule of Twos. Um,
0: that one, that one, the whole story. It's it's (laughs) literally (laughs) just about
1: The Rule of Twos, in fact. Um, my note here uh coming back to the dialogue in this movie is that every character that isn't a main character has only garbage throwaway lines. Every side character every like even fucking Neville Longbottom who was prime A-list material one movie ago has like 3 lines and they all suck the not Neville Long Bottom lines at all. And it felt like he got written out of the movie. I don't know if he was written out of the book, but didn't fucking make an appearance, even a little bit, that was living up to his character from the previous movie, where he is shown to be a fucking hero. Um All of the side characters just have throwaway garbage lines. And it is like you can get away with giving side characters like not super important material to say but if you don't put effort into giving them lines that sound like lines people would say in real life like it's It's noticeable, and it it takes me out of the movie. As a viewer, it took me out of the movie to have, like, side characters just say inane bullshit all the time.
0: I will say it was kind of a thing... Breakers, right. It was kind of a thing in the book, too, where, like, it was made note of, like... Just because... And even in the book, it was, like, just because they... Like, I feel like J.K. Rowling and the movie, they had to cram all this information about the fucking horcruxes in there and build up all these character relationships fully, um... Because, really, The Half-Blood Prince is, to me, as The Hobbit is for Lord of the Rings, where it literally has to set up the entire, like, climax of the entire series. Like, you literally got to sit there... Should they
1: have done two movies?
0: For Half-Blood Prince? No.
1: Should they have done a three-hour movie instead of a -a two-and-a-half-hour movie?
0: No, because I... Okay. (laughs) Minus like, the things that have been cut out from previous books that they didn't bring into this movie because they were already cut out Mm -hmm. and decided as, like, not key plot lines to follow, um, I think it did a really good job of representing everything that happened in the book, but, like I said, I feel it in the book, too, where it's, like, they do make these points of, like, oh, yeah, Neville still probably checks his coin that they didn't show it in the movies, but... That's how they used to communicate, like, meeting times for Dumbledore's armies with these magic coins Hermione made, and Harry makes a note that, like, Neville, like, is probably the only one that still, like, checks his coin actively to see if, like, they're going to meet again, and because it's, like, and you do, you just kind of, like, shove all these side characters to the side because you have to focus on Draco, you have to focus on Dumbledore, you've got to focus on the Horcruxes, and you have to focus on these Well, I feel like you, some people disagree. I feel like you have to focus on these romance relationships that have been going on for so long. So, to to the effect of, like, answering your question, in the books it was about the same as the movies were. Just for this particular story, side characters had to sit sidelines so that you could get the rest of the main fucking plot along
1: and that there's not a problem in needing to sort of ham fist the story along especially when there's so many interweaving plot lines that need to happen right my gripe very specifically comes to side characters don't get good lines yeah and that's not a oh well they didn't say anything useful in the books problem that's a, oh, the screenwriters just didn't give a shit. True. That's the problem. And it it's really hard. I've written a lot of scenes in my day. It's really hard to give everyone dialogue that's worth saying because not everyone has stuff that's worth saying in real life. So to make it believable... It has to be that some people get left out. But to enthrall people... It shouldn't be normal. Normal things shouldn't happen as frequently in movies... Where you need to suspend your disbelief. As a viewer... If you say inane shit as a character... Then you don't matter... And what's happening right now is irrelevant. Doesn't matter to me. So why bother having it in in the first place? Either cut it or give a character something that's at very minimum interesting to say. It doesn't have to be relevant, but make it interesting. Because I'm, I don't want to get like mad about it, but it's really easy to get sick and tired. Uh, and I, this is what made me stop watching television shows. I don't like watching television Because this happens far too often because screenwriters have to write really fucking fast for TV. People say uninteresting shit all the time. And it's really fucking awful. And it takes me out of it really fast to just have people say uninteresting and useless shit all the time. It sucks. It doesn't have to be that way, but it's the way it is. Now, that's an hour. Which means that's episode one. We are not halfway through my notes, which Uh, is really great, because I've got some really funny shit coming up.
0: So episode two might run a little bit longer than normal, but that's okay, because I feel like episode two of Sonic was like...
1: Episode two of Sonic was like 30 minutes. It was
0: like super short. So we don't know exactly sometimes how long conversations are going to go when we... We're not reading off a script here. We're literally just talking live with you guys. I'm fucking
1: rolling with this shit right now.
0: So we will see podcast... For episode two.
1: In like a week.
0: In like a week. Hopefully. Sometimes uploads don't happen on time.
1: I'm bad about it. Leave me alone.
0: Alright, until next time, bye!